Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Again Again, the podcast where we ask guests if when you die and you can see any event throughout history and see how it objectively happened, what event would you see first and why? I'm your host, Belle. With me always is your other host, Amanda, and our super producer, Tyler. Woohoo! Our guest today is a stand-up comedian. You can catch him all across Southern California. He's also a podcaster, a writer, a meme maker. He's very funny. Please give it up for Gage Flick. Hey, what's going on, guys? How's it going, Gage? Good, good. Good to be here. Miss you, buddy. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. good. Uh, you know, awesome. uh, we have jobs and we have we don't have COVID, so I think we're doing pretty yes. good. Yes. Yep. Uh, the two of the big important ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you make it through these two years with that, uh, you, you can't complain. Yeah. Hey, employment and disease-free. <laughs> yeah. Who would have known the bar would be set so, so low? <laughs> Oh man. So, um, Gage, what, do you remember the first time we met? You know, I think me and you have had to have run into each other a few times in passing, like at anchor bar and stuff before we really started chatting. I think so. I think just kind of brief shooting the shit, but I don't, do you have like a specific memory of no, I just remember the first time I ever saw you do stand up was at Anchor Bar, and it was it was like my first time there, and you know my first time uh, I was you know nervous, and you just like, for me, my behavior my first time I was I just I was in the room and I was just super supportive, I was like laughing at everything I was like ah everything's great everything's amazing <laughs> yeah. please laugh when I get on stage, but yeah I remember you getting on and doing a joke I remember let's see if you remember this you did it you used to do a joke about like a. Like the worse the alcohol tasted, like the better, the more the like dudes wanted to drink it, or the yes, they felt <laughs> stupid masculinity and drinking. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man. But I think one of the first like com- conversations we had was at a Main Street Cabaret. I think I yeah, love that place. It was so much fun. But I think that's where we first started talking. Yeah, that was that was like five years ago. It's crazy. I I'm, I'm doing this podcast. I'm like I've known these people for five years. It doesn't feel like uh, like five years. But yeah. yeah, yeah, we're getting old, bro. We've been in the game for a little while. Yeah, definitely bonded with more than a few comics at Main Street Cabernet. <laughs> I think we all, a lot of us, like just like stuck together and uh, and shot the shit out of fear of bombing there. But <laughs> no, nah, I, I remember you doing uh, your bits about the about the tacos and and the extra <laughs> shit, and just like this guy's a fucking killer. Am I, I allowed like, to curse? Yeah, curse? yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was a great that was a great spot. Missed that place. Oh, yeah. RIP um, Anchor Bar. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so on this podcast, we we like to talk about events. You know, if you could go back in time and, and see an event uh, and see how it objective, objectively happened, you know, you can see it from a third uh, third eye point of view, kind of like omniscient, or you could like plug yourself in, put yourself on the street. Uh, we start with a personal one and then we go to a historical one. Um, and yeah, we just kind of um, talk about them so um do you want to start by sharing your personal event like a personal event that it doesn't have to have any real historical context or something that happened something that happened to me if i could go back and watch yes it could to give you an example mine was of a time i got hit by a hot dog so it could be the stupidest thing that happened in your life okay and then other other people like other people like want to go see you know like Oh, I want to go back and see when my mom was pregnant with me, so I could like. Yeah. You know, You're so- smoking and drinking. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Falling downstairs and. <laughs> yeah, 
mine, I got a couple brief ones, but I, th I feel like uh, definitely there's some that I would like to go back and see because I, I feel like they're so, they seem so insignificant, but sometimes when I self-analyze myself, I'm like, that must have played such a big part mm -hmm. in who I became as a person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like in my four, on my fourth birthday party, I lived in Santa Ana at an apartment complex. And on my four, fourth birthday party, they rented out the uh, rec center at the apartment building. And they nice. had like one of those classic, like early 90s birthdays with the bounce house <laughs> yes. and a balloon artist and all that. And it was just a oh great time. All a like great a little, birthday. Yeah, it was a great early 1994. And, uh, <laughs> and all like the neighborhood friends came out, family came out. And I was like, four years old it's like your memories are still kind of vague but you do remember like significant things yeah you know, so i remember that uh, i was having a good time good presence that year and i i don't know why but i wandered <laughs> off to like the park that was like 100 yards away and one of my childhood like four-year-old whatever friends at the time was like sitting on a swing by himself and i walked up to him and i was like hey i forgot his name even i'm like what what's wrong why aren't you at the party and he just stood up and looked at me and punched me square in the face. Oh, my what? God. Like, right in the nose. Like, hard as shit for, like, a four-year-old. As a four-year-old, it felt pretty hard. Right. Um, and I got, like, really easily bloody noses back then. Yeah. Uh -huh. And all the cocaine you're doing it for. <laughs> and, no, but I just had, like, weak, bitch-ass blood vessels in my nose. <laughs> and so both nostrils, like, just started pouring Oh my gosh. And uh, it didn't knock me down or anything. And I think I was kind of in like, as a little kid, like in shock of like, I just got punched in the face. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. this has never happened to me ever before. Of and course. I, I didn't, I don't think I cried. I was just kind of in a little shock. And I walked back to my own birthday party, like <laughs> covered in my own blood. Oh my, oh my God. God. And people just like, what the fuck happened to you? And I just remember like, I, I don't know, like in a weird way, like not like, I lose sleep over it. No, but I think about it. I'm like, that had to have fucked me up a bit socially as a kid. And I think yeah. that's that's where stuff must have started where where you kind of realize like, oh, uh, some people don't like when good things are happening to you, which uh, is what they. Do you think that's what it was? Like he was jealous that you were having this awesome birthday party? It was my birthday. And I, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he had to sit there and watch me open presents. That's my theory. I don't know. He might have been. So many questions. I do think yeah. it's weird that we throw parties and then a section of the party is now everyone sit and watch me get stuff i do think it, that's a weird are, thing pretty right? narcissistic thing just to have popped out of vagina <laughs> i i <laughs> yeah i yeah I'll, but also it's my damn birthday but i totally get how a kid who you know might not have that is uh is is would react that way okay so i i'm sorry if i missed it was he also four years old he was around that age. He might've been like one or two years older, Okay. Uh, but he was pretty young too. And, and yeah, that's one thing. Like as a kid, my first instinct at the time was like, Oh fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Uh, he's just like being a jealous ass, but later, like as you get older and, and I like look back at like, uh, you know, different people's upbringings stuff. Like now I wonder like if there was more shit going on that like, maybe, I don't know, like what kind of, I think they were a little hillbilly kids. He's a little white kid <laughs> in Santa Ana. He was always in a white tank top, always at all times, no matter how cold it was outside. Oh, it's like a man. five-year-old kid that lives in a white tank top. Like things can't be that great at home, no. you know? So yeah. One of those kids um, that's always, always outside. You're like, well, how do you have permission to come outside? Like, yeah. The lights the are off, bro. Aren't you going to go back? And, you and just, they're yeah. like, what's permission? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But uh, dude, um so oh my god, I can't this is 
Okay, so if you would, if you were going to go go back to this one, would you want to be in your body and experience that shit again, or would you want to like uh, just sit on a bench and be like, all right, here I go, walking up to that swing set. He's about to sock me in the nose. I think oh, it's hard to pick because both would be so fun, right? Because like being, I don't know if this is fucked up, but if I was like at the park and I saw that play out with a little fat Filipino kid and a little <laughs> white tank top wearing redneck kid. <laughs> I mean, I would be like, yeah, that's, uh, it's a tough one. I, I would like to have gone back into my body, but like knowing what I know now, does that even like, it, I could have changed who I am as a person. Oh, it doesn't affect anything, right? No. no, no, no. Okay. I would have slipped that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be interesting to, um, to uh, follow the kid for the day and see like his chain of events. You yeah, know what I mean? That led to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's- kind of like a young child's tarantino type movie where uh-huh. you go back and see all the shit that happened to him earlier that led to that and i don't know like i don't know i part of me thinks that it's just a little kid being immature and just not managing his feelings very well and then part yeah. of me is like dude he had to have been like getting abused or something that makes you so violent as a kid i don't know but then kids are also a piece of shit too to be yeah it could be anything you know yeah. but <laughs> to to throw such a strong punch like to to throw it at the nose and at four years old like my gosh so <laughs> um um what okay so how do you get out of there our cat is on the coffee table i think i think going i think watching it as a witness out of the body like would make me sad i think mm-hmm. like because i, I saw yeah. that in prison i'd be like that's a sad event that just yeah. kid. And i then, was probably and then, wearing a little birthday hat or something yeah shit. and then you see yourself as a little kid you kind of feel a little tenderness you're like oh there's there, especially because you're like oh here's here's here i'm about to watch myself get wounded yeah. like here's my spirit about yeah. to get how do you think that like affected you socially because like were you a pretty social kid would you were you the kind of kid who's like going up to people and like being like hey come play and like hey how's it going i was i was always pretty extroverted mm-hmm. uh even as a kid but i definitely think that that's like after something like that happens like i, I specifically remember like this turning point of realizing like oh some people will hurt you you know yeah, like yeah. physically like some people are just like dickheads and like to realize mm-hmm. that at four it's kind of a weird thing going like it's supposed to be a time of innocence. And I guess it's not like it could have been, like I said, it's, it's a weird one because so much more horrible things happen to other four-year-olds. Right. But for me, that was like my, my little turning point of like, yeah. Oh, sometimes the world around you can be violent and hostile. <laughs> and that's <laughs> yeah. like, you kind of and make da- those adjustments there and dangerous. It's Yeah. It's so weird to think about but it's true like at some point we all have to learn that lesson that like oh mm-hmm. people are mean and like, like yeah. and even if your family is like 100 yards away like you still can get socked in the nose yeah. like, on, your, on your birthday i think i started to maybe read people better after that dude that's so you interesting know, like, that, sh- that, that you have a moment where you remember that because you know it happened to all of us but i i don't i can remember people being mean but i don't remember like the first time but yeah after that you probably were like i have trust issues now <laughs> yeah that yeah and that was the that's actually a catalyst because i grew up a fat kid and yeah. so same, kids same are kids kids are mean dude so mean kids are mean so like i i yeah it wasn't like the the last time that i felt like shit do oh, as another a, person as a but, fat kid you learn quick 
like the the reality of like how people will treat you as a fat kid. Like you yeah. don't get, you don't get to live in fantasy land too long. Dude, that, that's why we tell jokes now and shit, dude. <laughs> like it's it literally start it starts as like a defense mechanism uh, psychologically. But that was the big first. That was the first time where it's like, oh, sometimes other kids are mean as shit, and and that I think was a jumping off point. So yeah, I'd like to see that. But I also think that like uh, I would rather feel vulnerable than see someone else vulnerable. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like I don't, I I hate cringy moments. I'd rather be the one in the cringe than like right. witnessing the cringe. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I don't like seeing it, but I, I can personally deal you'll, with it. You'll, you'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, but it, I don't like seeing that shit. So maybe I would go back into myself and just take the blow again and maybe just get creepy with it or something and Man. smear my blood all over him. Or... It, it, oh, that would be funny. <laughs> yes. It would be interesting to, to go back to that moment and then like experience it and then just be like, that's a weak ass punch. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, what I'm saying. Like, just kind of like, and, like build yourself up from it a little bit. That's how you got. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd walk back to that party and everyone would be like, "Oh my God, Gage, what happened?" And I'd be like, "I'm partying. <laughs> the party now. Let me shock and a spray." You're like, "I'm a man now. Break out the, break out the shot. Fucking birthday cake. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't, I can't. That is such. Uh, it's, it's, we love talking about this because that is, I can picture it, dude. I don't know anything about that park or your apartments, but I can just picture you walking up to the. The swing center, you know, the swings all have like sand around them. So you mm-hmm. you walk down into the sand. You're mm-hmm. like, hey, what's going on? I just see it perfectly, and it's like, oh man, what a moment in in your life. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure you used to you used to think about it, be like, and just laugh about it. And that, then you're like, you got older. You're like, that was a fucked up moment. Do you remember if he tried to like rejoin the party after that? I don't recall. You know, like when I came back, they're like, took me to wash me up and change uh-huh. my shirt and shit, and I. I just went back to the party like it, it wasn't like a, a huge thing in that moment it was for like a, a four-year-old kid but mm-hmm. they just cleaned me up and then I think um, the parents were at the party and they found out and they must have taken that kid home or so I don't remember seeing him after that mm-hmm. I remember yeah. seeing him around and mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of shy for a little bit but after that like kind of just things went back to normal it's like all the kids in the apartment complex play together and shit so it's not like i held a grudge really but you kind of remember that like oh sometimes uh people snap or whatever whatever it is sometimes do you do you you ever think about it from the other point of view because i have a lot of moments in my life where i didn't stand up for myself and i or defend myself and i wonder like how i would be i would i would have been different as a younger version of myself if i had stood up in those moments so do you ever does it ever go back fall into that category for you or is it just like no that we were way too young for for it to be like standing up for myself it was just traumatic exactly not at four you know there's other times as more as an adult where i look back and i'm like fuck you should have said something or yeah or uh or stood up for what you what you thought or believed in etc but not as a four-year-old i i don't even my like what I'm like, I understand that it did something to partially shape me and the trajectory of my personality, right. yeah. but um, but I I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I wonder if that never happened. How much longer would I be living in like the la la land of everything's yeah. wonderful and you know um. So yeah, that that particular moment. No, I was a four year old kid. Like, what the hell are you gonna do? You know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
Oh man. I don't know if I remember anything from when I was four years old. I I know that uh I went to preschool. I I've talked about that. And I I my brother was there too, so he had to have been like two and I had to have been four because at five I think I went to kinder. Mm-hmm. But very, very few. Yeah. I have like oddly early memories. Like how young? Like I kicked in super early in my my, my noggin. I remember like literally I think being th- so i remember my fourth birthday party which yeah. was up until then santa Ana. i do have memories of that apartment complex in santa Ana, and so i was three and then before that i have memories of like the house i was born and we lived in near the circle of orange cell street uh for like the first two and a half years of my life and i have some really weird vague memories of wow. the house on glacelle street so i had to have been like two and a half or three and a half years old in that range yeah. uh-huh. i uh i used to have a fire truck i would play with i love the batman movie with adam west the, like super <laughs> the pal bang the one and like yeah. used to go to this video store and rent it and then uh but just weird little memories of that my favorite one is i have a memory of standing in the kitchen and i didn't have pants on and uh, my mom was preparing dinner and I just started pissing <laughs> like on the kitchen floor with like my dick out and stuff. And um, and my mom yelled at me. And then I, I don't rem- I at the time they were trying to instill like their Christian values in me and stuff is, you know, they start start you young. And I, I don't know if I, I think I might have meant it or I don't know if I I just remember saying like, this is like God. God had me do this or whatever. Like, it's, oh my God. God controls everything or whatever. Just shit I was repeating that I'd heard. And that was my mom is like, God didn't make you do this. And then from then, I'm like, so God will do some things, but not others. He's controlling everything. But we have, it was like the, the, uh, the confusion of religion started at like two and a half years old, yeah. pissing in my kitchen while my mom made dinner. Um, yeah. A long time ago so weird little ones like that i have lingering around in my fucking head but so by the time they took you to church you were like i've already seen the light i <laughs> you, you can't <laughs> i well, pissed you know, i pissed in the kitchen i figured this out a long time yeah, ago. yeah. well you know they, they try and scare the shit out of you so. yeah like uh they try to guilt you with jesus into behaving and stuff <laughs> yeah I, I don't know. I don't want to get into a whole yeah. <laughs> yeah. philosophy on religion or whatever, but yeah. But I that's remember, just I remember ahead, being a kid. No, I remember being a kid and you know, you do stupid stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, my mom, my dad being like, Why did you do that? And literally just being like, I don't know. I don't know. I just uh, did it. I'm a child. It's so weird that when you're a kid, you just you just you just do stuff. You just do it. My brother you grabbed no one, my brother grabbed one of my Buzz Lightyear sh- shoes and threw it off the balcony. We lived on the third floor. I never got it back. It's gone forever. You couldn't just find to, it just to spite you. I don't know, dude. I, you know, talking about memories, that's a vivid one. I, I, the, uh, we lived on the third floor in San Diego, and uh, it was one of these like, uh, you know, apartment buildings. And my parents had music on. We were dancing, just messing around, and he just picked it up. We were dancing in the patio, and he chucked it, and I never forget it. Um, just and, seeing it go woo. yeah just 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 seeing him grab it and like like did he really just chuck my shoe like <laughs> off the fucking pad of it it's just kids you know you you get excited you you do something and you're like oh shit now my parents gotta buy me new shoes <laughs> like, oh bro we love those buzz light your shoes dude yeah. <laughs> did it light up did they light oh, up of course dude <laughs> of course light up shoes yeah yeah like oh, 
That is that still a thing? Light up shoes? Yeah, not as much. Yeah, they were big when much. we were kids. They were huge. They probably have had to have saved a few lives. <laughs> yeah, the I never thought of them as being a safety mechanism. Yeah, <laughs> you're driving down a dark street and you just see these stupid ass light up shoes and you slam on your brakes. And... I can't believe they don't market those for like runners who like to run at night and not wear any reflective gear. Oh, yeah. yeah, that'd be perfect. So that would be perfect. around here, a bunch of people do that. Yeah. Oh, they like to live dangerously. Yeah. Man, dude, that was that's a great event. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it's it's a vulnerable event you know it's like it's like intense it's funny it's sad but thanks for for sharing that man that's that's a that's a a big one for sure on your birthday on your birthday man 94 (laughs) world doesn't care what day it is for you shit's gonna go down it's gonna go down it's a rough lesson to learn at four (laughs) (laughs) all right man that's crazy so um all right, let's go to your historical event. Now, you told me, you I don't know if you stuck with this one, but you told me a little bit on Instagram, so I'm really uh-huh. interested to hear to uh, to hear you tell us about this one. Sure, sure. So my historical one, I'm um, we've we've talked about this before. I'm a huge fight fan, combat sports, anything, boxing. I uh, love MMA. Uh, boxing, I really like too. Right now, it's it's pretty good, but the, there is a history to boxing. Um, yeah that I think uh, a lot of people know boxing has been around for a long time and it's played such a crucial part at, you know, various uh, times throughout history because it kind of embodies, you know, especially more so before a boxer, he would fight, you know, for his own name, of course, but a lot of times they represented their people too mm-hmm. when they the, fought, you the know, neighbor, the neighborhood. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Or just their culture, like more recently, right, you know, right. guys like Manny Pacquiao, it's like, the entire Philippines, when Manny Pacquiao fights, they feel like they're fighting. Like right. that's, he's a, a human embodiment of the Filipino people. And Ro- mm-hmm. Roberto Duran with Latin America and, and uh, a lot of, a lot of great boxers for like Mexico. And, Cesar and Chavez. Exactly. Exactly. What? No, yeah. nothing. Who does Cesar Chavez as a boxer? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I, I know, but my brain went to the other Cesar Oh, Chavez. your brain went oh, to the yeah. farm. <laughs> To the farm working activist. Yes. <laughs> also a great boxer. Yeah. So with that said, I think there's like uh, also when you look at race relations um, with with blacks and in, in not just America, but across the world um, and the end of uh, of segregation and, and integrating blacks into into sports and things like that. There's such a huge part of it can be traced back in boxing, mm. uh, especially in the heavyweight division with um, the first heavyweight uh, black champion of the world, um, Jack Johnson. Not the banana pancakes Hawaiian <laughs> singer Jack Johnson. When you uh, sent me that that text, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, the, the musician, okay. Yeah, Jack Johnson, no. So in the late 1800s, they were starting to, boxing was adapting like what they call the, uh, uh, I think it's called the Queensboro rules where it's like kind of what we see today where they, they started implementing gloves and timed rounds and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. at the time, boxing, especially in the heavyweight division was looked at as like a prestigious, um, like white man sport. Gotcha. And then they had other, everyone likes to fight. Right. So of course, other, uh, lower income people of across all social, um, the whole social divide or whatever, everyone enjoys a fight. So everyone likes boxing, but as far as like the heights of the sport was considered for, for white people. Right. Um, 
and then they would have African-Americans fight, but they had to fight. Um, they would fight white people. They were never allowed, even as good as they got, they were never allowed to fight for the, for the undisputed heavyweight title of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so even back then they segregated, you know, boxing. So they had a, they had a colored championship, gotcha. different black athletes would win that, but it wasn't until, uh, Jack Johnson, who he was born in Texas. He was the, he's the son of two former slaves, uh, one of, I think like, like eight or nine kids, like a lot wow. of like hard work and raised poor. Um, he got into boxing, uh, early in his life. I think he was working at like, uh, a stable or something where they take care of horses and mm-hmm. one of his clients or one of the guys he worked for took care of horses for owned a gym and the guy would start showing some boxing and he he really got into it he was a he's an athletic specimen and he started to climb up through the ranks and he um eventually was was becoming you know notorious for being a bad motherfucker and yeah. really fighting ability wise too one of the first guys to start putting it all together you know back then you think of like the tough uh, you know, Irish dudes with the mustaches yeah. and stuff. He was the first one who was really starting to like move around the ring with the finesse that you see so much today and not just plotting and, uh, and, and having defense and getting like hitting without getting hit. And so he was starting to become as he, as he rose up the ranks and became the colored champion, uh, a lot of hype of what would happen if we took this black guy and he fought the white, the undisputed heavyweight right. champion. And for years they denied him that Dang. they would not, none of the white champions wanted to fight him. Uh, they, they, instead of, you know, I think it's pretty easy for most people to look at it and see that they were scared. They didn't want to lose to a black guy in yeah. front of mm-hmm. all these people, especially at that time when they were looked at as like second rate citizens and people, and uh, but they would say like, no, like, I'll, I'll never fight a black fighter uh, when I've done beating all the other white fighters. I'll just retire like they would just not even consider it. And he was kind of cool, too, because I think, uh, you know, if there's got to be maybe some other examples out there. But he's the one who stands out as like the first like black guy who challenged like the social norms back then. Mm. Uh, black people were expected to keep their head down and fall in line and do as they were told and he was like the first guy that was like fuck that he liked to date white women <laughs> and used to like to go around he's and like, he's, like with, he's like the guy he's one of those guys who's like i do what i want kind of guy i do what i want exactly mm-hmm. back when that was so dangerous you yeah. know right. well, yeah wore, it was it was either that or death like yeah and and then luckily for him i mean uh when you have you know, that kind of success in, a, in professional sports, you get some of those luxuries of like, oh, it's a little harder to just go murder this yeah. disobedient Negro because <laughs> he has so much uh, like eyes on him, you know, right, so he right, was right. kind of in a great position to to uh, to be like that. And and he would wear crazy outfits and stuff. And then none of the white champions wanted to fight him. And it was they said because, uh, you know, because he's black or whatever, they didn't want to get their ass kicked yeah. by this by this badass black fighter. Uh, so he would buy tickets, front row tickets, <laughs> to all of the heavyweight championship fights. The white sit, fights. <laughs> he would sit ringside and talk shit oh, while they're in the ring about that. how they were scared to fight him. Anytime, anytime they would go around the world, he would follow them there and talk shit and just taunt them <laughs> and mock them. And when he fought, he was allowed to fight white guys, but just not 
the champions. Yeah, the lower so ones. when he'd other fight other white guys, he was one of those, uh, another one of the first boxers who would kind of get in your head psychologically uh-huh. uh, and talk shit in the ring and hold you and smile at the crowd if, and talk, if I, talk if to I, the audience. If you hadn't said who you were talking about at the beginning, it sounds like what we everyone knows Muhammad Ali for. Yep. You know? Yeah. But this guy was like way before way before so we're talking early 1900s and and in um, my opinion and uh, i think pretty clearly paved the way for guys like muhammad ali um to go in and and be the way they are and do what they do with that kind of freedom when at a time uh it was you know it was it was bad for muhammad ali too i mean muhammad ali look he didn't want to fight in vietnam for for what he was personal preferences and they threw his ass in jail Mm -hmm. um so it was fucked up then too but it was a lot of it was starting to get better and a big part because of because of jack johnson so the champion at the time uh when he finally did get his shot was actually a canadian and um and it wasn't just you know racism uh a lot of times i think because we're american we think america when it comes but it it was kind (laughs) of like all white right dominant countries you know canada was was super racist fucking australia was super racist america Uh, are just the americans are just the mvps like it's just what we know yeah Yeah. the the home team for (laughs) for racism i guess but the uh the canadian champion uh his name was tommy burns and and they didn't want uh he didn't want to fight jack johnson but jack johnson Bus, like uh just pestered him so much and raised mm-hmm. so much uh his voice in 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 public in the community that eventually promoters offered this tommy burns guy the canadian you know the white champion uh such a outrageous amount of money oh, man. and they kind of made it public that we're offering him this much money to the point where like if he declined to fight it's obviously because he's fucking scared right, right. like who's gonna turn down that kind of like because they'd all talk shit like oh i could beat him i'm just not gonna fight uh, right. uh, African American, right. and so he finally accepted a fight. And uh, is, I, I took some notes here, so I don't fuck up dates. Uh, December twenty sixth of nineteen oh eight in Sydney, Australia, Jack Johnson finally gets his shot to fight Tommy Burns for the undisputed heavyweight title. First time a, a, a black, uh, first time a black fighter is allowed to fight for the undisputed heavyweight 1908. championship. Nineteen oh eight, dude, and he beat the shit out of him. <laughs> We beat the fuck out of him. So this is in Sydney, Australia, also a very racist country at the time. Uh, like a bad place to be a black person also at the time. And um, <laughs> this also, the very beginning of the ni- like the 1900s is also another thing is kind of like boxing is growing, but also the uh, film cameras, mm. like, like making movies is a growing technology. Right. So they are starting to record fights. And what they would do back in the day is they would film a fight and it would be in that choppy black and white picture. It was silent. Right. There was no audio. So it would just be, have you ever seen those old fighters? Just a yeah, piano I'm, playing. Yes. Yeah. And then some guy going, we're here live and doing a voiceover. <laughs> and, yes. And, uh, and they would take that and show that, um, you know, that film and, and the, uh, the, the world went kind of crazy, you know, uh, the media, you could, definitely kind of like today you could tell which way they leaned but back then it was even fucking way yeah. <laughs> like gnarlier of course like it was um it was you know the, the jim crow era yeah right. so there's you know uh, just fucked up photo like pictures where like literally it's uh, it would be like tommy burns is drawing and the instead of instead of jack johnson it'd be like a monkey oh, and oh shit like gosh. that like fucked up stuff back yeah. then just doing whatever they could to discredit them 
they wouldn't use his name a lot in the headlines. It would be like black man beats Tommy Burns. And then in small letters, just say Jack Johnson and Jeez. shit. Like it was still fucked up, but he was so cool. Like as far as being like, uh, just a confident shit talker that they, uh, like the one, the white, like, like the, the white, uh, community. I don't want to say all what, cause uh, back then there had to have been, uh, like always right there were those ex- like those exceptions i'm sure there were white people back then there's always like, some there's always some good people yeah right but like uh there was just more racism back then right so the yeah. bulk of like the racist white community was already so upset that this black guy came in and beat the shit out of uh tommy burns tommy burns yeah that they were talking all this shit on on in the media and uh they were trying to get his um you know, his, his title back, you know, so they started this search that they literally called the search for the great white hope. Oh my God. Oh and my they're they're like, God. we need, we need a champion. We need to find a white guy a white to beat the shit out of this, this cocky, loud mouth, you know, disobedient black man who doesn't need, doesn't know his place and all this likes to date white women. And Oh my God. Every, every story about every story about like a, uh, uh, really strong, like uh, trailblazing, you know, black men like this usually ends bad. I hope this. One, I, hope, <laughs> I hope that's not where you're headed. Okay, so the so the white people say we need to find the best white fighter. Literally, uh, yeah, a search for for the great white hope. Oh, by the way, oh by the way, also I forgot to mention this part in the Tommy Burns fight in Australia. Uh, Jack was beating the shit out of him so bad that before he could score the knockout. The police came into the ring and broke up the fight. Oh my Are you kidding? Before me? he could knock him out, Jeez. and and they they they're like this is uh like this is being halted or whatever, and they stopped to save Tommy Burns from being just cold knocked out. But oh uh, Jack Johnson was still the winner, still won the title, but still like literally like the police came into the ring and it's like an old movie. Like but this that, shit is like yeah, I, how fucking it, crazy is that? It sounds like a cartoon, which makes yeah. it so sad. That's like I'm sure this happened. T- stuff like this happened time and time yeah, again. Yeah, it was real, real people's lives, and there was, I mean, it's 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 like, it's not. It's like fake reality. You're like, what the heck? Everything is against me. Like the it's police, so delusional. Do you, there's it, no there's no way you can ever feel safe in that world, right? No, no, and and it's exa- exactly like you guys are saying. This is stuff that happened all the fucking time. But what I think is so pivotal about this is that it's happening on at the time the grandest stage in sports right like at the time boxing's still big but at the time it was like boxing was numero fucking uno you know and then all other ball sports or whatever took a set took a back seat to boxing boxing is what everyone tuned in for so this is happening on like the grandest stage the most prestigious title the heavyweight title of the world so it was a lot of eyes on this type of issue yeah and also like uh just the historical significance of of you know the first black man being able to allow allowed which sounds so fucked up but allowed to fight for the championship against a white fighter i mean that was kind of in sports i was looking at it like in terms of integrating uh blacks and whites together in sporting and one of the first um wow you know i didn't know this but i guess i guess black people had been uh a lot of times before that The, the only time i could find were uh, integrated blacks blacks and whites in a single sport was like horse racing mm. 
which I had no idea, but apparently yeah. there were a lot of black jockeys back in oh. like the 1800s and like they hmm. won a bunch of Kentucky derbies. But oh, the problem that. with that is like, yeah, like it, and that's cool. But like in horse racing, the winner is like they celebrate the horse. It's the horse. Yeah. You know, or, you don't remember the jockey's I wonder name, if the, you know? Yeah. I wonder if that's why it was, they, a, it was a, quote unquote allowed because it wasn't really about the jockey. It was about the I horse. Mean, yeah, probably. Yeah. Man. I never knew that. Yeah. It's so. Just, and the fact that it's the undisputed champion is like, well, then you have to fight everyone who says yeah. they can beat you. Do you, the, think, like, right? do you know what undisputed means? Yeah, like, that's, well, that's how that's how that's how that's asinine how, this is. That's how horrible their opinion of yeah. other people is. They're like, that's you're not you're not part in the undisputed. No, you don't get to take. You're not good enough as a as a human to take part in uh, the undisputed title. But okay, so they after after he beats breaks off Tommy Burns. <laughs> the racist whites um they start a campaign literally called a search for like the great white hope they're trying to get former champions to come back a guy who was a former champion uh, a couple of champions before jack got the uh the title was uh, another familiar name jim jeffries oh my Which, goodness yeah <laughs> Not the Australian comedian. So, are you pulling a big elaborate prank Folks on us? us? Maybe. Maybe you'll just have to do. You'll just have to do some googling later, won't you? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. Jack Johnson and Jim Jeffries fought each oh, other. Oh, I wish I had this kind of writing ability. That would be so awesome. If you, after we record this episode, you go look it up. You're like, he made all of that up, dude. Like, this that is. All, that, it would be like performance Jack art. Johnson, yeah, the Hawaiian singer. What the. <laughs> Jim Jeffries, the Australian, Australian comedian? comedian. Yeah, no, Jim Jeffries, also white, not a comedian, racist piece of shit. Really, this <laughs> is the old James uh, J. Jeffries or whatever. James R. Jeffries. But he was like, he was like the former champ that went out uh, on top and was like the bad motherfucker of, of his day. And he was like, I'll, I'll answer the call, be the great white hope. Like, we need to put this black guy, you know, back where he belongs without the title right. and all this shit. So he comes out of retirement two years later. In the meantime, Jack Johnson's been beating all these white challengers that are trying to take him out in their search for the great white hope. Yeah. Um, so Jim Jeffries uh, comes back and he fights in Jack Johnson. What it was really kind of billed as the first, like, super fight. Like this is the first, you know, fight of the century. Wow. Um, they fought in in on Independence Day on July fourth, um, uh, nineteen ten, in Reno of all places. <laughs> I guess Reno was it was a hot Reno was then? Reno was popping back then. But I don't even think exist. it was because I heard that um, Reno was still kind of a sleepy town. They built an arena for this just there <laughs> in wow. the middle of the desert. They built like a hundred thousand person. Uh, oh like gosh. arena with the boxing ring and just on the uh, days leading up to the fights it was just non-stop train after train of fans coming up and wow. a lot of the times it was white fans coming hoping to see Jack Johnson lose yeah they, they hated it they hated the fact that this black guy had become the world champion and uh, so he fights um, Jim Jeffries on July 4th 1910 and uh, also beats the fuck out of him <laughs> in front of a hundred thousand angry white people. And um, that that one, he was he was beating the shit out of him, doing the same thing he always does. He he'd he'd stun on him. He'd 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 uh, talk to the crowd in the middle of the fight. He'd smile <laughs> at everybody, like just everything that enraged these uh, these white these yeah. like racist white people. And then um, they also filmed that fight. Now that fight, uh, he knocked Jim Jeffries down, who his one of his claims to fame at the time uh, was that he was never knocked down. 
Jack Johnson knocked him down a bunch of times. <laughs> the last time he knocked him down, uh, Jim Jeffries was so fucked up, he, he couldn't get up on his own. His corner, which, by the way, just in case you don't follow boxing, this isn't allowed. His corner <laughs> came and helped push him back to his feet. Not just his corner. People from the audience. Oh, my god! <laughs> what the fuck, man? Jumped Everyone... onto the ring and were, like, lifting him back. His limp, fucked up body, like, back. <laughs> like, keep going. You can do it. That's He's how, like, that... I'm, I'm in pain. That's how desperate they were for this yeah. win. They were like, we will sacrifice you to yeah. win this. He's yeah, like, my he... my brain is jello. And they're like, just get out there and do Jack, it. Like, Jack a... Johnson. It's Jack Johnson versus everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, oh, okay. So, I should have specified at the beginning. But it's kind of a two-parter, I guess. Because I would love to have been there for the Tommy Burns fight in Sydney. Uh -huh. uh, because I heard um, that when Jack Johnson finally uh, won, the cops came in and stopped it, right? The crowd was silent. Like, oh. it's, 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 and back then, boxing events were outdoor and they were huge. We're talking like uh, oftentimes like 100,000 people. Yeah. And it was just all these people, just like they, they're at a wake. Like, it was just silence and disappointment. Jeez. And I would love to have been there. You know, uh, <laughs> just fucking. I probably would have kept a low profile. Yeah, but I would have been in there. You pull the pull your hat. Pull your hat down low. My fedora so, down or yeah. whatever. They were in, eating my peanuts and just watching this shit because that would have been great. Um, and then my other one was, uh, and there's a little more to it too. But the uh, definitely the the Jim Jeffries fight where they built it up so much. Champion versus champion. The Great White Hope versus you know the uh, the Galveston. I, I forgot the Mauler something. I forgot his nickname. But uh, that was like a fight of the century. The the first like real super fight uh, in boxing uh, that the whole world was listening in on. And to see like these fucking angry people from the crowd trying to push Jim Jeffries yeah. to his feet when his brain has been turned to mush um, <laughs> would have been so incredible. But anyways, um, so here's the here's a decline in that story that you predicted. Oh, man. Alistair. Yeah, yeah. So, um, of so this, course, bad, of course. this badass incredible incredible person what what happens next yes okay so um so the fight like i said is film these days it's uh fights are big business in uh in the film industry now uh i i heard because the ring is stationary and the camera work is so easy to do back then so mm. the fight oh, oh by the way the night it's july 4th 1910 the night of the fight um People are so heated on on both sides. So the white community, especially, is so pissed off about what's happened that uh, race wars throughout the world oh, start, oh, and they uh, they start Not taking the out their yeah they start taking out their frustration on the black community, um, and and we're talking like assaults and murders, um, and they started just going at it, uh, primarily you know angry angry racist white community attacking the the black community. Oh, in, in bitterness of, of what occurred. Yeah. Um, then the fight was filmed. So they wanted to take the fight uh, to theaters like they would do for any big fights. The, um, the authorities in so many of these communities uh, started to trying to ban the film Whoa. from being played because they didn't want the black community to see a black man being the best. And, and the, and the, the company's like making money off this film. It got to be white guys. Yeah, and I'm sure. And like I like we said earlier, there are white guys I'm sure who love Jack Johnson and white people who are all all for it. Uh, I just think like the the majority, or at least 
you know, like the loudest portion of it back then were against it. They were, yeah. uh, right. but there, I, I don't know what the, what the sway would have been, maybe like a, a 60, 40%, you know, type of thing. And I'm sure there were people who were uh, all, all for Jack Johnson back then. So I don't want to make it sound like it was like literally every white person, but a lot of them, there was a, a lot, lot of them. them. No, yeah, yeah. There's a lot they're of like, them. They're, they're like, uh, they didn't care who was benefiting from the film monetarily. They're like, oh, even, no. even, even if it's white people ban this. Right. They're like, this is how yeah, much yeah. that's horrible. Man. That's- you know, I'm sure, you know, the guys who are making money from Jack probably loved him. And I heard and he was a very charismatic guy. He loved to joke around and he was like a, a bigger than life type character. Yeah. And uh, so those guys that were making money off of him filming and stuff probably loved him because he was their, you know, their cash cow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they stopped trying. They tried to stop the film. They tried to make it illegal in a lot of places. The authorities so that you know they wanted, they did not want black people to see someone prevailing over a white person and let them know, not just in the sense of a fight, but just in life that if they work hard, like they can right. do great things. Yeah. That type of mentality they wanted to suppress. So this film became banned in most Shit. places. It became like mm-hmm. an underground thing. But you know how that is. Like when something is made illegal or banned. Yeah, it kind of gains notoriety yeah. and people will go, oh, I want to see that even more now, you know, so they would literally, uh, you know, people were getting their hands on it on the on the DL and, and wow. watching it. it just became like very uh, um, a lot of a lot of infamous notoriety to it. And uh, eventually when it did come back, it, it played in theaters for for years at some showings where people wow. could go, you know, oh pay nickel or whatever and watch Jack Johnson beating Jim Jeffries in the super fight. Um, so after that fight, uh, they were so fed up with them, the, uh, the racist authorities, uh, at the time and their, their, their search for a great white champion, uh, great, the great, uh, white savior, whatever had, had failed. So of course they have to do some fuckery and, uh, and they had him arrested because he had an affinity for, for dating white women and love being seen with them and uh rubbing it in, in you know those people's mm-hmm. faces like yeah. so they arrested him i forgot in which state for um for transporting white women across state lines which what? yeah was uh white, apparently white, white women were like drugs back then if you were minority. <laughs> yeah that had been in suitcases in the trunk or something hey, hey gage you and yeah. i would be fucked yeah yeah dude we would We'd have to be on the on the on the sneak tip with that. I'd be like, I'm I'm just her butler, man. I don't know what's going on. I carry her bags. I'm this lady's yeah butler. Yeah, I'm her assistant. Yeah. yeah, we're assistants. Um, oh yeah, we would be fucked. But so they arrested him and or they put a warrant out for him or they something like that or made bill something like that. They want to throw him in jail, so he ditched the country. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think he went to Mexico and then he went across the pond to Europe and stuff and he was doing fights over there, but nothing ever as big as that big like Jim Jeffries fight. Uh, But it really affected him like his couldn't come home. Right. You know, he had uh, pretty much uh, by way of being too badass got exiled in a sense. Um, But he went to Europe for a few years and, and he had some some fights there. Uh, eventually, you know, it's like it happens to everybody in, in the fight game over time, you slow down and he was finally beaten at one point. Uh, eventually he was running low on money. So he did just come back to America where they were waiting for him and just said, fuck it and did his time and got out and, uh, and then spent uh, the rest of his days kind of just 
doing uh, exhibitions and, and fights for cash and stuff, but never mm-hmm. at the same the same extent uh, of that. But but anyways, I just think that uh, it's it's a the story has so much significance in uh, in the progression of, of of the black community in the country yeah. and in sports and stuff that it doesn't get talked about as much as it should. I think um, I would love to have been You've there never for heard it. about it. Yeah. I mean, most people granted, like it's America, like, um, you know, you think integration in sports, you think like Jackie Robinson and the Dodgers and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, bl- bl- uh, black people playing with white people and in, in baseball and uh, football actually didn't happen until the forties. Yeah. So yeah, this is going on in the, in the 19 teens and, or the, even earlier, um, and it was, you know, as far as I've known, I mean, I, I'm probably, I could be wrong, but as far as I know, it's kind of the first time that they were like a, a black athlete was so undeniably good that they were like, fuck it. Like, he's got to fight white people now or go up against white people. And there's not a lot they could do to stop it because it's what the masses wanted to see. Right. And then they still try to suppress it. And yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy, but I think it plays a huge role in, in, uh, the development of, 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 uh, of black people, not just in sports, but in, in society, the, the, the positive image it must have sent to all those people yeah. who were being uh, treated like shit back then. Feelings of uh, empowerment, I'm sure. Exactly. To have a, a champion just like you, you know, someone who came from uh, shitty circumstances and a poor family and was, uh, you know, people above them did everything they could to hold them down mm-hmm. and fuck all that and still uh, prevailed. So that's, that's one for me. I think, uh, I was when I was when I was gonna be on the podcast. I was thinking like, what would be a cool one? And I'm sure everybody thinks of like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand and stuff, and <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, which which is so cool and all historically significant. But I was like, well, maybe this is one that's a little more obscure, you know? So that's yeah. we've never heard about that. No, and it's I love the fact that people wouldn't fight him, and so he would buy tickets to the matches and trash talk them. Yeah, like it's, it's a it's a level of. Um, I mean, a lot of times when I hear about incredible people like this, I, I just can't ever imagine having that much courage, ever well, in the, my life. The no. fact that like, because we, you know, we all doubt ourselves. Like, am I good enough? Am I this? Am I that? And I'm sure back then there's even more reason to doubt because everyone is telling you you're not good enough. But the fact that you like are so sure in your skill that you're like, no, I'm not gonna let you fucking ignore me. You yeah. are going to have to listen and acknowledge the fact that I am better than you. Absolutely. You know? it's, uh, it's, I mean, that guy, his, his entire life was, uh, you know, it was all or nothing. He was like, I'm not going to live how you want me to live. I'm going to live like this and whatever comes from it. I was, I'm so glad that you didn't say he got like arrested and then, you know, shot, found dead somewhere. Right. No. Anything like that. Um, yeah. They didn't, they didn't kill him. They did kind of ruin his life. Um, right. Yeah to an extent he also you know granted uh he was a wild man you know he, i think he liked to gamble and he just liked <laughs> to party and live life at 100 miles an hour which yeah. um you know in, in my opinion as long as you're not hurting anyone else i don't give a shit but um right. yeah. but i think like uh when they kicked him out of the u.s essentially by putting this warrant out for a fucking foo-foo uh stupid ass charge yeah um he had a hard time you know being uh in other countries and i think he he did kind of lose some of that spark but he was also pretty rich but um over time he just kind of ran out of money and 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 uh 
I think he stayed a celebrity for a while. He didn't die until like the 40s or something like that. He didn't, he didn't live a long time, but right. um, yeah, like 30 years after his after his, his big his big moment. Right. Yeah, yeah. But he was yeah in 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 boxing and I think in sport and in history like a big figure. Um, you know, I think of all the all the black champions you know across all weight classes that have come after that, and he's kind of the catalyst for all of that. Definitely right. uh, gonna. I'm curious about like watching a documentary now because yeah. I can't, you know, I'm a, I'm a sports fan and you know, we're, <laughs> how do I say this without sounding like the, so narcissistic we're averagely learned people. So, you know, we, mm-hmm. general, yeah. we, general we history, active general history facts. We, we can normally have a good grasp, but yeah, never heard of Jack Johnson to the point where I was like, Oh, he's talking about the musician and right. um, um, n- never heard about all that significance. So, um, Definitely. I mean, we, we're gonna watch a documentary on Jack Johnson. Yeah, there's gonna be one. So, it, oh, there's they are there are. I definitely encourage everyone to check it out. I think it's an incredible story. It looks like HBO is actually currently developing a six-part limited series called Whoa. Unruly that is about Jack Johnson. That's the oh, perfect name for it. Sure. Wow. And uh, Unruly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mahershala Ali is going to play him. And oh, he's shit. Him. Wow. He, he's apparently, he played him before oh. in another, um, in a stage production called The Great White Hope from 2000. So oh. he he has played Jack Johnson already. Oh, that's a be crazy, so again. that's a crazy experience to bring it back 20 years later. Yeah. yeah that's and that, awesome. now he's like huge and famous. Wow. Dude, dude um, that's a great event. Thanks so much for sharing Jack Johnson. Um, I know that's a, of course. it's, it's, I mean, it's important. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's important to know about that. It's important to know about it. And it, it, it is like, it, it's an inspiring story. Like, yeah. like, I love I'm not a big sports person, but I love sports stories because yeah. because everyone can relate to a sports story. Cause it's about perseverance and belief. Yeah, it's and, not about the sport. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I just love hearing sports stories and this is such an important one to hear. Yeah. And if you love sports stories, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, boxing is just full of them. This is, yeah. it's a, it's a big one, but it's just one of many in, in the, in, in boxing that has uh, such, you know, a crazy story to it. There's it's chocked full of them. So yeah. on Showtime, there's a documentary um, docuseries called uh uh, Kings, I think, or Four Kings, and it's about like the great rivalry in the '80s between uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin mm-hmm. Hagler and Tommy Hearns and Roberta Duran. It's I uh, also highly recommend that too. That's a fucking did awesome. You, one. Did you ever watch The Contender? I've briefly, like years ago, like gotcha. the first one. Yeah, that was, a, that was an old boxing show. That's like yeah. the, the most I got. But yeah, for sure, man, love boxing. Thanks for sharing that event. Thanks for sharing your, you know, your personal from your personal life. That's uh, um, uh, oh, did that, that event was, that spark your love? Did that spark <laughs> your love of boxing? Was that your? Was yeah, that your maybe moment? not? I should have been like, damn, I got to learn how to <laughs> knock that punch in the face. Bob and weave. Man. Yeah, I got Bob and weave. No, but uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Gage. Uh, before we go, if you want a quick plug, uh, anything you want to plug your social media or anything, um, I know um, that you used to have a podcast or you've talked about a podcast yeah we haven't done it in quite some time so it's essentially dead in the water um <laughs> and it was horrible too but uh but yeah my instagram handle is at roofless r-o-o-f-l-e-s-s underscore gauge and um back 
back on the grind, back doing comedy again. So I'll be anywhere they'll have me in around Southern California. So mostly yeah. Orange County, some LA, some Riverside County, some San Diego. So if you uh, follow me, I'll post about shows. Come check me out over there. And uh, yeah, we could talk about boxing after the show. Awesome, Sounds man. awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show, Gage. Thanks. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. <laughs> have a good one. Thank you. Wow. That was a great story. Yeah. I feel like watching boxing now, which I don't know that I've ever watched, but um, that makes me excited. We can watch a documentary, <laughs> order some food. Um, yeah. And, and, and both stories had a through line. I really think getting hit by that kid sparked something in him <laughs> to find a love of boxing. Oh, it's man. so interesting. <laughs> they both involve getting hit in the face. They both involve a lot of that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're having a good one. Thanks. Bye. Bye.